This podcast includes unapologetic logic and reason and may not be suitable for all audiences. In a world full of nonsense, he's been called the voice of uncommon common sense. He sees the abnormal that many find normal. Author and award-winning speaker, he is Chris. You might not find this funny, but I found it a little self-entertaining, I guess, as I was getting ready for this podcast. I wanted to talk about something a little different, which I'll talk about the why of that in a second. But uh, I wrote up the bullet points for the podcast, which you can see in the show notes, just to kind of give myself a little roadmap to create an intelligent conversation. And you know, it's part of what I always wanted to do with the podcast, I guess part of the why, that I always wanted to take uh, topics that may not be you know, super romantic or popular or viral or things like that, such as Common Core Math, I guess, and have an intelligent, maybe interesting conversation about it, right? So to make boring topics interesting, I guess you could say, it's kind of part of the challenge of being a great podcaster as I see it. Um, it does not always going to work out that way, and, and um, you're not going to always get that all the time, of course, but just one of the goals, I guess, is uh, – was getting ready to do the podcast. But anyway, I'm looking at this, and um, the headline that I, I have here right now is Common Core Math for the title of the podcast. And uh, I was looking at that, and I thought, well, not likely that that's going to go viral. <laughs> Maybe in the uh, librarian circles or the mathematician circles, no disrespect to anybody. I don't know how large or exciting those groups tend to be. But um, I'll bet you there may be some very interesting stuff going on in those circles, more than you might think. The nerds, if you will. The nerds do have something to offer. And maybe I'm a little bit nerdy, too, because I'm going to talk about some of this. And I do find it interesting. But anyway, Common Core Math was the title. And, you know, I thought, this is fine. I want to make, you know, boring topics interesting and well, it doesn't mean that we have to make it completely boring. I'm sitting here looking. This is the funny part or the, the interesting part, my self-awareness, uh, um, uh, self-entertainment, rather. And and i got to make this more interesting. I don't, I'll make it uh, common core math is dead or something. like. I'll add something to because there's got to be something to make people click on that. Nobody's going to click on, oh, Common Core Math. Yes, talk to me for a half hour about Common Core Math. That's exactly what I woke up this morning. No, you got to make it a little more interesting. I probably should have uh, thought about a better way to open the podcast for that matter, too, I guess. But that's the other thing. These podcasts are very much meant to be uh, conversational. And, um, you know, as, as far as the, the why... Um, it, I, I always wanted a part of the podcast to be, first what I said, take boring pod, uh, things and make them interesting. Because there's many uh, things that go on in our everyday life that are very boring, right? You know, your morning ritual. This is a topic that I've talked about. I'm sitting here with a cup of coffee. First time since I can remember. I remember talking about coffee on the first podcast. It was interesting. I remember drinking pod, uh, coffee on the podcast. That was a big mistake. <laughs> Nobody wants to hear somebody drinking. Good God. That was like my probably my biggest podcasting mistake ever. So what do you say about Common Core Math? Has it led to the uh, mental and academic 
destruction of our country. Um, I certainly wouldn't say that. Uh, it's This started back in 2010, believe it or not. It's hard to believe that. 13 years of Common Core math. Is anybody really looking at the results or math? I'm sure somebody is. Um, I'm not sure about that. I'm not sure what the results have been. Uh, you may or may not know that there's been a lot of backlash against Common Core math, much of it coming from conservative circles. And was there some truth to this? Was the Common Core math moving away from simple academics and what's led us down this path of, of wokeness and, and transgenderism in our schools and, and some of the other things that are going on? Um, I don't think so. I don't think so. Why the backs, backlash then? Well, I'm reminded of something that I've said before on the podcast, and that is that one thing that people hate is when things change. But the other thing that people hate is when things never change. Somebody had an idea that math could be done in a better way. And it's that that I want to speak to you about. But there's another fundamental uh, human trait that I think I stumbled on. And it's very concerning to me. It has to do along the lines of selfishness. And I believe that when there's an absence of religion, that there's a rise of selfishness and I'm saying that very uh, in very simplistic fashion but that selfishness can begin to show itself manifest itself in some really really dark and evil ways such as the aborting of a million babies a year what was the top end 1.2 million I think 700, 800,000 a year average. Far more murders due to American abortion than any wars combined. I haven't done the math on this. I don't want to say this too, uh, too as a matter of factly. But the, the numbers are horrific, really. What do you call that? Selfishness? Has to fall on that. You're going to tell me that those are all um, as a result of a crime? Statistically doesn't add up. So what are we teaching You know, young people that are aborting babies on that level in terms of where their importance, their focus, their attention, where does it lie? It lies on themselves and their economic prosperity. That's really what it's about. Really, in most cases, what you boil it down to. You're going to have the other side of the argument made. I didn't mean to get into this so deeply. Um, the other side of the argument made that because of economics, people aren't are choosing to have abortions. And maybe there's some truth to that as well. But here's what I uncovered as I was looking at this uh, Common Core math thing uh, and, and just digesting all this that when there's an absence of religion that you have people become more selfish, I think. You don't have this communal tie. I think it's a natural psychological phenomena probably. And maybe it's a big part of the practical need to have churches. I don't know. It's not why I brought it up. But as much as I could say that all of that leads, that selfishness leads to uh, a much bigger evil than people might recognize, um, one of the other things that I discovered, and I was talking about how we're treating our children, 
aborting them, um, and, and it's gone further. As I discussed this on the podcast, where even after birth, it's inconvenient. Fathers, mothers going through divorces and killing the children. Uh, their parents going through their own drug-fueled psychosis in some cases, killing the children. It's crazy. I don't, I can't really relate to that way of looking at children. But I think one of the other problems is, as it relates to common core math, is that there are people that don't like their kids being smarter than them. That is evil when you think about it. In my world, it's very evil that you would hold your children back. Now, I'm going to tell you, I, it's not something that I think about. I'm not a psychologist. I'm not a therapist. I don't go psychoanalyzing everybody every time I talk to them. But I know specifically at least one friend who his approach and mannerism been extremely damaging uh, to at least one of his children, maybe both. And I'm certain that it, uh, it happens in other circles. Criticism or children are constantly criticized, never get any um, positive reinforcement. If that's you, think about that. If all you're ever doing is telling your kids what they do wrong, well, he never does anything right. Hmm, maybe it's you, bro. Seriously. Like, that's no way to raise kids in my world. But I think that there's people that get jealous of their children you see this with, with mothers and daughters. It's a real phenomenon. Um, there's a weird, um, I'm just giving you things I've observed myself. You know, where a mother has a, I, we know my, um, my daughter's uh, friends. All indications are the daughter's going to be prettier than the mother. And it's this whole weird dynamic that it creates. I can't relate to these things. Hopefully you can't either, but I'm telling you. I think that a lot of the, the criticism of Common Core Math was this. People don't like change and they don't want their kids being ahead of the curve on them. Right? Oh, I'm not. I've been doing math for 52 years. I ain't doing it no different now for nobody. <laughs> this is the real world, right? Like, who thinks like that? Plenty, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. You think you're in it with the kids. How many of them sit there? You probably heard it. Oh, yeah, you could, You think you're so smart. Yeah. <laughs> well, they are. <laughs> There's a lot of brilliant kids out there. And I want to just interrupt this otherwise riveting story to tell you a little, little mini story here. My son uh, called me uh, over the weekend, and he had been wanting to catch up to me, and we were talking for quite a while. And uh, I, he was one of three people that I sent the draft of my new book, should be coming out just after the new year, um, tying together a few loose ends, and within the next week or so, God willing, it'll be off to the editor and uh, going out for cover design. And uh, they'll design the front cover, the back cover. They'll get a uh, barcode for it. We got a website. I got to get the URL uh, all nailed down. Get the web designer to freshen that up. We'll write a book description for the listing. A lot to do to put the book out there. And um, all this costs uh, a few thousand dollars, depending on the options and uh, what, all, what all formats it's published in, uh, paperback, hardcover, etc. We'll do, on this one's going to be all the above, digital, Kindle. And um, I'm hoping uh, 
shortly after the print book is released, then I'm going to also do it uh, on Audible, the audio book. I'm thinking about doing a special release um, audio on it all. I'll get you more on all that later. But here's the point. My son, who's in the Air Force active duty, calls me. And uh, I'm not going to tell you the details. Let me just tell you this. He's 25 now. And I was struck by his wisdom and maturity. And I know that if I've done my job, which I believe that I have pretty well, that he's going to get to a point where he's going to be the teacher, the student will become the teacher. Let's put it that way. Now, he's not going to know everything that I know because he hasn't lived my life and he won't have the experience. But in terms of his ability to think and articulate and do it faster, you know, he should get to the point where he's, he's better than me. My daughter, you know, I can already see both my children. You know, we read to them. I can't take credit for that. My wife does it. Um, but both of my children, avid readers, have done incredibly well in school. Um, and they're smart. They're smart kids. And I'm happy to have them be smarter than me. It, to me, it's just uh, the greatest gift. And I'll tell you, my son, 25, in terms of being positive with him, <clears throat> I don't really uh, criticize him at all. Now, he makes it easy because he doesn't do stupid stuff. But um, I don't do that. He's a man now. You know, I either stay silent or I give him positive feedback. And I always give him positive feedback. It's so important. You know, he's a young man. Hopefully, you know, thinking about starting a family down the road, whatever the case might be. It's, It's a lot of pressure, a lot ahead of him in a stressful time. Last thing he needs is me browbeating him all the time, showing him how much I know and how much he doesn't. That's not necessary, not helpful. And it's not that I don't ever share things with him. I do. I do all the time. But he's able to share back. So anyway, I'm very proud of that. I think if you, you know, the formula is, uh, is not that difficult as a parent. Hard, not that complicated. I don't know. I don't know how to say it. You got to do the work every day. You know, when I did have to give my children uh, feedback, I had a rule. I never did it sitting down. You know, if my son was doing something, my daughter, if I had to yell at them, let's say, they're misbehaving, I never did it from the chair. Never once. <laughs> Big difference in that. Just that little move. Anyway, I hope you're raising great kids, too. Let me say this about the common core math. I couldn't learn conventional math. It's a true story. Now, it, it in part was the conventional math and... Part of it was some other issues, but the net result was the same. I failed algebra. No, I'm sorry, geometry. I failed high school geometry twice. I ended up having to take two math classes my senior year, general math one and general math two, just so I could graduate. What the heck happened? I'm going to tell you that I know math a lot better than you. Probably a million times better than you. Um, I don't know how to calculate rafter lengths these days. I'd have to look up the math. And these days I can't stand doing um, 
feet and inches. I much prefer working in tenths. I prefer engineering math. In fact, you know, even when I'm doing carpentry, a lot of times I'll just convert it to decimals because it's easier for me, which is hilarious for anybody who's done feet and inches math. Uh, to be able to do both, that's a lot in my book. I do the, I'll do the engineering math. But um, when I got out of the Marine Corps, I went to work on a survey crew. We were doing construction stakeout, some property surveys. You know what survey is? You're marking boundaries, points. And, you know, just to give you a, a lot of what we did, you know, we would go out into a open farm field or a wooded area. It was undeveloped. We'd mark the property corners. We'd establish control points that we could reference. And we would lay out the roads, the utilities, and the houses for these subdivisions. That's what we did. And back then, uh, there was a set of blueprints, and there would be bearings and distances on the property lines and the, the road geometry. And from that, it was the job of the party chief, our survey crew, to do the math, to locate these points and provide points for the construction crews. So uh, the first thing that would be done is the roads would be rough cut. There would be grading done. And in order to do that, we would uh, provide centerline stakes every 50 feet. But then we would have to, those were going to get dug up largely, right, as they excavated or filled to create the, uh, the rough cut of the road. So we would mark the center, but then we would have to put offsets off the edge of the road. And I want to say typically those were offset five feet from the edge of the road or face a curb. And you'd have to put the vertical marks on there, cut or fill. And uh, I don't know if any of this is making sense then, nobody who's ever done it, but you get into a lot of stinking math. And at that time, it was done on the hood of a pickup truck and we were utilizing uh, HP 11C calculator. And if you don't know, it was a horizontal format. They're not made anymore, which is a real crying shame. Um, they make an app for it, which I have on my phone. It's remarkable. It's horizontal format, which I much prefer, maybe because I'm left-handed. And it worked, worked in reverse uh, Polaris. I don't even know if I'm saying that correctly. But instead of putting 1 plus 1 equals like a normal calculator... It works in the following. You put one enter, one add. And that sounds incredibly confusing for most people. To me, it was a giant light bulb going off. Far more um, understandable for me to say one enter, one add. Boom. And the way that works with uh, geometry and trigonometry. And just to give you an idea of the math um, that I was doing and still could do with a little brushing up. Imagine you've got an arc, right? A piece of a circle. You know the point of curvature, one end point of the arc, and the uh, point of tangent, the point PT, PC and PT. And that's a straight line, right? From point to point, and you have the arc in between. Now imagine you have to turn an angle and a distance from either one of those points to a point spaced exactly 25 feet away on that arc. Angle and distance. Do you see what I'm saying? Uh, I'm giving you um, relatively easy math there. <laughs> what do you do when there's an inlet on that arc and it's got to be perpendicular to the curve 
and you've got to stake out 15-foot offsets on that, it can get pretty interesting, especially if the terrain is uneven. uneven. Anyway, uh, George Washington was a surveyor. Many of the other founding fathers, by the way, they understood these principles. It was common that farmers and um, people in construction, who was everybody at one time, uh, also at least understood these basic principles. Today, um, it's done much differently with computers and so forth, and I see that as making uh, people dumber. The engineers, quite frankly, for the most part, don't know what the hell they're doing. Uh, Everything's just over-engineered to death. Um, But either way, either way, I bring this up to say to you that I loved the math, loved it. Went from, um, you know, couldn't pass high school geometry to out there, you know, doing incredible uh, stuff on the hood of a pickup truck. Um, and by the way, all this was um, thanks to an experience working with a guy named uh, Michael who owns that firm today. His father was a partner in it back then, and uh, Michael was the party chief. And that's how I met him working on that survey crew. And uh, we've stayed in touch all this time, uh, really have a very close relationship. And my brother Michael is the one who recommended that I write this book that's coming out. Um, I'll tell you more about all that later. But uh, one of my favorite photos, Michael and I was just the two of us. Usually it was a three-man crew. But for whatever reason this day, it was just two of us. And um, they sent us up to lay out a railroad spur up in Trenton, New Jersey. And I was a little bit older than my son is today. And there we are with a roll of plans and a calculator and a tripod and a survey instrument. And uh, he was was a couple years old. He was maybe 35, something like that. And I'm in my late 20s. Kids by today's standards. No computers. I mean, today, if, if you wanted to get those angles and distances, there's um, within AutoCAD is the software, and they have survey modules. And, you know, it's a really automated today. You wouldn't have to do the math anymore. And um, the instruments have data collection, and you can feed data into it. It's all very automated. You really don't have to do that math anymore. And I think it's a real shame. You know why? Because math, in my book, is the basis for critical thinking, for independent thinking. And this is why I think that the Common Core is a better way of doing math. I don't know what you call the way that we did it on the hood of the truck. There's no, there's no way for that. And this is another thing that's funny to me. You know, I wonder if it's, it's common is it because they put a new name. It's, it's called math. You know, there's a, a variety of ways that you can add figures. And this is another big thing. The Common Core, you know, people, they couldn't get past, past the addition and multiplication. That's not how I did it. And it was demonized for this. In my opinion, the reverse Polaris, if I'm using the correct term even, I don't know if it's because I'm left-handed and right-brained. I'm just telling you the math that I can conceptualize, that I can do, um, is incredible. But I couldn't get through those stupid high school classes because it was backwards to me. I think it also helped a lot that there was a purpose. You know, we're out there on the hood of that truck trying to get a job done, and you needed to know the math to do it. And you're sitting there in that classroom, and it's just boring to me. You know, why do we need to do this? Anyway, that's a style thing. I can tell you from working with my daughter, I'll tell you another, I've told this before. 
the, the, she was having the same problem last year in second grade. I think it was last year. It doesn't matter. Teacher said she's struggling in math. She needs extra help. So I'll take care of that. Multiplication. And uh, I sat down with her. And I said, I said, sweetheart, if you listen to me, I can help you with this. I've had the same problem. And I could tell. She said, okay. And I taught her my way of doing it. And boom. She's consistently been number one, number two in her class in math. There's an Asian kid, no surprise, that get very competitive with the math. This is how well she's doing. From a father teaching her that couldn't pass the stupid high school, right? You tell me where the problem was. Was it with me or was it the school? The difference with the common core math, and I think that the parents that are fighting it need to do a little self-reflection on this. The common core math requires an independent thinking. It requires critical thinking instead of just memorization. And it relies, I think, more so on visualization, which is huge. And let me just tell you about this a little bit with math and visualization. Uh, this is part of my book, What is Common Sense? How to Get It, Even If You Don't Know What It Is. When I wrote uh, Common Sense in Modern English by Thomas Paine, in my opinion, the best way to read it, the modern English version, great Christmas present, by the way. Um, yeah, you can order it on the website, ChristopherScottShow.com. Of course, available through Amazon, all the big carriers. Um, anyway, also available on Audible. But after I wrote the book, a lot of people said, what is common sense? And I wrote a book about that. And I explained it, how to think, really. But part of the story in that book is this talking about Pythagoras with the Pythagorean theorem. And I often wonder when I was a kid, who comes up with this stuff? You're sitting around. I mean, this is you think about it, the pi. Uh, I'm sorry, the uh, Pythagorean theorem, right angle, not, not uh, pi. I'm confusing two, uh, uh, two different... Uh, uh, formulas there. But the Pythagorean theorem, you think, you know, who sits around doing this? It's a simple one. Simple one. But if you had to just come up with it, you're just sitting around on a rock, you know, computers, no paper, no nothing. Oh, uh, you know what? I'll bet you x squared plus y squared. I don't think that's how it happened at all. I don't think it happened on a chalkboard. I don't think it happened with an abacus. I don't think it happened like that at all. I don't know. I don't know. You know how I think it happened? I have a diagram in the book. If you simply were playing with squares of different proportions and you take the square that is 2 by 2, 4 by 4, 6 by 6, and you can line those up and the points will match up perfectly. And I believe that that is how Pythagoras discovered the Pythagorean theorem. And who knows how many? You know, they give it to us back in these, these formulas that then we take and memorize and this and that, but it wasn't. The visualization part wasn't shared. I got to see that with the survey, and it changed everything. It was just, and I'll tell you this, uh, the, my my uh, passion for that work, I wish I would have stayed with it in many ways, that you could create something from nothing, order out of chaos, with nothing but an idea on a piece of paper with numbers on it, and take those numbers and calculate it precisely and plot them out in a big field. It's mind-blowing when you step back and think about it. It's that kind of thinking that we need to inspire today, that we absolutely do. Go play with shapes. You know, I talk about the story. I forget who it was now that 
looking at the different uh, angles of shadows and, and, and plotting the arc of the sun from it. This is remarkable when you think about it. Absolutely incredible. But if you ask me, not only do we have a, a situation where people are not thinking for themselves, some of it due to uh, computers and automation and things like that. I mean, seriously, if I was going to do any construction layout, I, I don't, I talk to my friend, I don't believe they're using the 11th season doing that in that fashion anymore. It's ridiculous. I think the crews are more frequently two man survey crews instead of three because they have a GPS. Um, equipment now that's mainstream, that they don't need the control points that I mentioned. You do, but it's different, much more automated. And so you don't have these groups of people working in that industry that can, can think for themselves. And I'm sure it's this way in many other things, right? I see the databases that they're working with in the medical industry taking away a lot of the thinking and decision-making from the practitioner. The teaching is the same way. No more creative thinking. These things are going away. No more figuring it out for yourself. But I see a bigger problem in all this. Bigger, bigger, bigger. Not only are people not doing it, they're fighting against it. What do you mean, common core? I'm not changing for nothing. I'll tell you, if there's one thing I hope to encourage on this podcast is to think for yourself. I don't have all the answers. You know, I'm just sitting here playing with shapes. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just watching what's going on and sharing what I see. you got to figure it all out. We try to do it together a little bit. Uh, but the other thing I'll say, you know, that point I said about figuring it out. The kids, can, what do I do? Figure it out. What if I make a mistake? You'll figure it out. Trust me. <laughs> You'll figure it out. Let people figure it out on their own. Learn how to adapt. What has happened to our society? People not thinking for themselves can't adapt to anything. We're going to tweak how we do this math over a 20-year period, and people are freaking out about it. Makes no doggone sense. What are you going to do? Let me leave you with this. Uh, for whatever reason, I was putting together the, the bullet points for this podcast, as I mentioned, and I caught a glimpse of... Um, the photo, which was used then for the podcast cover, I noticed what appears to be a quite a bit more muscle mass um, I was carrying around at that time. I don't even remember. would have been about five, six years ago, I guess. I was right around when I did, uh, when I published Be the Lion, which is a great book. Uh, it doesn't sell very well. I'm not really sure why, but... Uh, not really sure why at all, actually, but it hasn't sold well. I have an idea, probably because I'm shadow banned, including on uh, Amazon, I believe. Pretty crazy, right? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I just haven't played the game right with the way their numbers work over there. Um, but anyway, uh, it was around that time I got in pretty good shape for those photographs. And I noticed these days, I thought, man, I'm not really carrying a lot less weight, but I am carrying less muscle. What does that tell you? Um, I don't know. I'm getting back to some resistance training, and I kind of moved away from any kind of weight lifting. I do resistance training, but more in the form of calisthenics, 30-pound kettlebell squats to upright rows. Uh, I have, they're rated at eight, like 80-pound resistance bands, so I, I gather that would be like a 40-pound dumbbell. 
I don't know if it feels equivalent to that or not, but um, you know, those are exercise bands. I do have some dumbbells I, I rarely use. And um, I don't know, I have a lot of joint pain these days. My shoulder, my hip, my back is always an issue. My knees, my wrist even. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I've been thinking about it a little bit. Um, I guess what I'm getting at, I may bring a little bit of it back. We'll see. Maybe I'll just try it out a little bit and see if I start getting banged up. There's a reason why I got away from it, and that is I didn't want to get get injured. So I don't know. I'll keep you posted. I feel good from the, doing the calisthenics. I've been telling you the, the hip strength that I've gained. Those kettlebell squats are great. The high knees, the leg laterals. Uh, there's ways to do those with some resistance as well. I haven't really done it. The mountain climbers with the push-up stands, all good stuff. Uh, on top of doing some great work outside, I was having a good time this weekend. That was kind of my goal, getting the leaf cleanup done. And uh, we have on the one side of our property, it's all uh, just brush and wild trees in there. It's not a real big area. The deer go bed down over there. I put the salt lick over there. Anyway... I want to plant that at some point to create a better, more appropriate buffer there because we, we, it's very visible from inside the house, and um, we like the rustic look of it. I don't know. Maybe we'll keep it that way. We'll see what happens. Either way, I got it all cleaned up in there. I spent a lot of time in there just cleaning out the, the limbs that had fallen and the dead stuff and trimming back the invasive stuff and getting all the weeds blown out. And uh, the yard is looking good. The fruits of my labor paying off, I suppose. God willing, I'll be back Wednesday. Hope to see you there. In the meantime, make it a great day.